So I don't know if any of you been uh, got the email or you're just ha- arriving here at random, but I was sharing a story about, uh, as Francis put it, middle-class problems. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the woman who does your ironing is apologetic about her pricing and she kindly pointed out spelling mistakes as well. For those of you who uh, didn't read the email, I'll share the story um, that inspired the conversation. Uh, lovely Shirley. She she does ironing for us because A, I'm lazy and B, I actually enjoy ironing, but there are better things that I need to do uh, with my time other than ironing. She always sends me a text saying, this is the price. It took me this much time. I hope that's okay. And I, we've been, she's been working or doing ironing for us for like, at least two or three years, four years, actually before the pandemic. So I know now there's, there's that thing. I know how to time frame things now. <laughs> if it was before the pandemic, at least two or three years. But anyway, uh, but every single time, so is it okay? Is it okay? And to be honest, it was amazing until she said it's okay. <laughs> because like, hmm, is it okay? <laughs> is that, is that, is, why are you doubting that price? Mm. Because uh, now I'm thinking, well, do I? I don't feel so comfortable now paying this much money for ironing. Uh, when I was before that, that that little three little four letter <laughs> words question uh, sentence, I was like, oh, I was like, fine. Until now, I was like, oh, okay. So it made me think, uh, how, what does? How do we turn up uh, in our businesses? Whether it's presenting our prices or sending out a proposal or telling someone a price. What energy are we bringing that and how damaging, I'm going to say, or how problematic it can be when you turn up with that apologetic energy? Does Shirley change her price each time she does her riding? Yes. So the rates are always the same. How long she takes is different each time. And to be honest, a lot of the time I don't even look at the number. I'm just grateful that someone's doing the work. Yeah. It's like I don't really care how much I'm paying unless, unless it starts to really hurt. It's that thing. So when it starts, I notice it, and I I can't say what I mean. What or I notice it is like, but there's going to be a point in my. I feel like actually, you know, maybe I should do my own ironing. But yeah, no, no, her rates. So, uh, but in terms of the the only reason the number changes is because the amount of time she spends on it, and and I kind of correlate it to the size of the motherfucking bag that I'm giving it to. Mm. And so I expect if it's a big bag, it's going to be a bit higher than if it's a smaller bag. Because maybe what she's anxious about is the fluctuating amount, because I, I know the rate change stays the same, but there's a, a kind of fluctuating amount. So in fluctuating amount, there is there is change, there is uncertainty. So there's all those things, which is why actually in many ways, charging by the hour, this is not necessarily relevant to Shirley. But given we've started with Shirley, we'll continue with Shirley. The uh, By charging by the hour and having an open-ended agreement, uh, with the people that you're 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 working for or working with, that does kind of bake uncertainty into the into the engagement, into the into the transaction. And you know, we may not think about that when it feels sort of small. Like it's just you know, is it one hour or one and a half, an hour and a half, or whatever it might be. But it might be that part of what is happening is that there is a feeling of uncertainty that she has, which is kind of sort of separate to. Uh, whether she is feeling apologetic about it, whether she is nervous about it. But it might just mean that actually she is also feeling a degree of uncertainty around that and she is responding and reacting to that feeling of uncertainty that is uh, that is kind of present given that it is a, it is a fluctuating and changing thing. 
As, yeah, I like I like that explanation in terms of it's not just the apology. It's the is this going to be well received? It sounds like it's like oh my god, am I am I going to get some kind of reaction from the person because now I presented a price that I didn't agree in the first place, and so now have is that was that amount of time? And I remember from agency days, not having the balls in inverted commas to talk about uh, a piece of work or. Let's put it another way. We tried to try and do fixed cost stuff at the beginning because, again, um, we thought it would make people buy from us more easily. But then we also found a lot that I found anyway as a developer, some problems, especially as bespoke, they take a lot longer than you thought they were going to be. And so the other thing was like, okay, yeah, we'll do it and I'll tell you the time at the end. And then getting to that point, like it took me eight hours and like, oh, God. Can I say eight hours? Do I need six, six hours? Was it? And that energy then I brought to just even writing that email of the uncertainty of this is going to be received well. A, that was really painful. And then it's like you send and I go, oh, sitting in that space of like, oh my God, are they going to come back at me with, oh no, that's too much or that's too expensive or, oh my God, you know, that took too, too, too long. You know, questions. Yeah. So there's something here, at the very least, there's something here about creating more certainty in this relationship around what is to be done, what is to be expected, what is of value, and how much people will pay for it. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody to varying degrees is uncomfortable with uncertainty. And whether you're the person buying the services, the uncertainty is uncomfortable. Is, you know, what's it going to end up being? Is it going to be more than I've got or whatever it might be? And equally, the uncertainty also kind of plays out on the part of the person who is providing, for sure. I think there is the other thing, which in a way, potentially you're kind of the, the story as you articulated initially was alluding to, which is also the point about whether or not we do come with a kind of an apologetic undertone to how we talk about money. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, that that for sure does also happen. And it may be that that is what's happening in this instance. Like I said, it may be something else, but I think that there is also, there is also that, tr- that truth. Oftentimes we do bring these sort of undertones to our conversations around money. Sometimes we do come with an apologetic feeling, a feeling that, you know, it's too much. I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe then that links to sort of stories about am I worth it? And all of those sorts of things, which actually oftentimes do come up when we're talking about money with people for sure. Yeah, I think that's a really useful point to to add there is that deeper aspect to um to this um, engagement that we have with the client and uh, the stories that we're telling ourselves about receiving money and whether it's okay and how that well how that then affects the the energy or the feelings the perceptions of the client of the customer mm-hmm. because we're then projecting we're projecting our stories on other people how useful is that and how and then how truthful is that mm. i think is is the the question so we we're like there's two aspects it feels or two levels we're talking about this in terms of the there's a kind of a strategic uh tactical execution level where do you know what because i haven't agreed up front the the terms the payment you know, the amount when i then go to the customer and tell them how much it costs after doing the work that creates uncertainty for everyone. And so that will add to the fear that something might go wrong in terms of that conversation. And then there's the the stories we're telling ourselves just about receiving money. 
and how when we tell stories that disempower ourselves, how that also potentially disempowers the customer. Mm. So given those two scenarios, maybe we can talk to, all right, how can we think about mitigating them? What were the things that people can maybe take away when thinking about those two situations that can help them minimize those things coming about or affecting themselves adversely? Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing on the second part you're talking about there about whether the stories that we're telling ourselves about accepting money, in a way, of course, this is not sort of massively helpful in terms of a, a takeaway thing. But of course, all that's happening there, it's not really about the money, that bit. We're, we're then projecting a story about ourselves that we tell ourselves onto the money. So, you know, that, you know, am I allowed to ask for this amount of money? you know, pretty quickly is sort of becomes linked to a story about whether I'm worth it and all of those sorts of things, which are obviously kind of much, much deeper lying things. So I kind of say that not because I have some sort of very helpful or easy thing that people can take away to deal with that. But I think it is worthwhile understanding that oftentimes, you know, money is like, you know, and I know, uh, who's he wrote the book, The 30 Lies About Money? It was, oh, uh, Peter Koenig. Yeah, right. Okay. So and in, in that, there's kind of lots of really, really kind of useful pointers about the fact that really what we're doing is we're projecting our own stories onto it. You know, ideas that uh, money is security or money is freedom or money is whatever you might kind of put into there is basically just a sequence of us projecting these ideas onto money. And in the same way, you know, the, to your thing there about whether we're allowed to get this money that is again just us projecting a story about whether we are allowed to do something whether we're entitled to do something whether it is you know whether you know whether we're allowed to kind of do that so i think us projecting onto money is something that we do because obviously money is a hugely emotionally charged thing so again i kind of say that not because there is a sort of simple takeaway for people but oftentimes that is what's happening if we're feeling nervous about it if we're feeling apologetic about it if we're feeling anxious about it if we're feeling uncertain about it it's because we're feeling nervous or we're feeling anxious or we're feeling whatever it might be we're just projecting those things onto the money well i think there is something helpful here and this is and we talk about um in our work at the happy startup school this idea of the transformational idea that takes us out of chaos the shift in perspective and thinking that helps us look at a situation a different way so that we can grow more powerfully in that aspect of our lives and in this case let's talk about pricing to begin to a place where we're more feel more powerful and confident about the way we price and one of the one idea that's really important that i think you know what you're explaining is this idea that money this idea about money is not objective. You know, the value of money or the process, the, the the belief around money is not objective. Yes, from a system point of view of economics and the way people talk about it in a economic system, it's a a method of exchange of value. You know, if you're going to take a technical term, but like in the book, so this is Peter Koenig's book, Thirty Lies About Money. I I've read it. I learned about it really mainly through Charles Davies and um, Tom Nixon, who are members of our community. My understanding around that is that whenever anyone talks about money, they talk about it through their own lens. So for me, the idea that helped me is that I understanding my story about money, I then realize other people have a story about money. And so when we are talking about money, don't assume that you're talking about the same thing. When you are talking about a certain amount of money, don't assume that we all value it in the same way. And so how much I'm willing to spend isn't necessarily, or the, the feeling I have about a certain amount of money when I spend it, isn't going to be the same that someone else feels about it. 
Mm. And similarly, when I receive a certain amount of money, just because I feel a bit weird about it, doesn't necessarily mean everyone else has the same feeling. Mm-hmm. So uh, the takeaway for me is don't assume that what you're feeling is what the other person's feeling. Just because you're not willing to pay two and a half grand for something doesn't mean that they're not perfectly happy to pay you two and a half grand for something. Or even the extent that that actually it's important to them that they are that they are spending that amount of money. So the kind of the story that they're telling, the judgment that they have around it, the the kind of view of the amount are all are, is the subjective thing. Because you know, in that instance, whatever the thing is, it may be important for somebody for their own identity and the own the story that they tell themselves to be seen to be investing appropriately, as they would say in whatever the the service may be. But yes, yeah, so I think that is a that's a, a useful point. That sort of reminding of the subject the subjectivity of it. Yeah, and, and an example that springs to mind that's quite close to home is is my dad. And like I, I was buying him a, a mobile phone, an iPhone. And I know what he needs. He doesn't really need the, the best one. He just needs one that works. Most of them work perfectly well for most people. And so I said, you know, get this version. And it costs, I can't remember, classic 999 quid. And he's like, no, but that isn't the best one. So there's this thing about like, no, no, I can't buy that one because that's not, you know, the top thing. And it needs to be the top thing. So there's a story about if it costs this much, if it's the best thing, then it's much more, you know, there's something, there's a a value not tied to the actual functionality there that he's projecting on this purchase. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is like, okay, uh, I'm just thinking about that now. It's like, similarly with anyone who's buying from us, like you said, there's something around, I want to pay more money because it makes me feel better about myself for whatever reason. So uh, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Then there's this, okay, but this uncertainty piece mm. when we're going into an engagement or when we are going to work with someone mitigating that and mm. what do you have any thoughts for people who are starting a relationship with a new person a uh, new customer and wanting to feel more calm in themselves about I wondered where we were going there with the starting relationship with a new person. Thing. I felt like we were <laughs> we were veering off into sort of completely new territory. And That's maybe it. maybe beyond the, the realm of the podcast. I don't know. That's a very different podcast. A bit of a mashup there. Very niche kind of like in, uh, transaction there. <laughs> but yes, working with a new customer or client, or actually any customer or client, to be honest, but where the, yeah, where, where like you said, price could change each mm-hmm. time. Or the, it isn't a fixed price that people just come, buy, pay for the thing and they're off. Mm-hmm. Um any suggestions or thoughts, scenarios, and then based on those scenarios, kind of situations that, or things that you people could do to, to mitigate that uncertainty? Yeah. Uh, well, the, like, I, was, I was curious, actually, about the example that you shared of your agency days where there, there was an idea about how long something would take, but then it just takes much longer. So yeah. that says to me, the developers not spent the time up front thinking about the range of things that might go wrong. But is that is that just sort of uh, ignorance on my part? So there's um, specifically uh, in the situation I'm thinking about, we're making something very bespoke and very new. And so on one hand, had I known what I know now, the value of it was nothing to do with how long it took. It's how it related to the outcome of the project and what it meant for the business of the customer. However, as an agency, our business model is dependent on making enough money to make pay- make payroll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so the more time I spend on something, 
the more expensive I am, uh, and that affects profits. And so this is real tricky balance where, on one hand, the it's like there's a... I remember one client saying, well, you know, we both have to have skin in the game in this. You know, why, as a customer, I'm taking all the risk when I don't know the price? And it is that aspect of like, I, well, I don't know exactly how much, how long it's going to take because it's a completely new thing. Not only that I'm doing, that, that it doesn't exist, it's truly mm-hmm. bespoke. So there was a, in a sense, there was a, an agreement that needed to be made that there was a level of risk here. But then, like you said, that creates uncertainty, which isn't great for a customer. And so in that situation, I either suck up the cost, which then doesn't, isn't great for the business, um, or the customer buys into this idea that we're in a, um, an agile environment. Mm-hmm. And so we take a process of like, how do we minimize the risk to the customer? Well, basically, how do we remove the fear that the customer is going to get a massive bill that they mm. didn't realize and suddenly they have no more money left? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that that you know is a real fear for somebody who is buying something that feels like it could be open ended. I mean, you know, within reason, of course. But so that, then it kind of makes me think about you know what is being sold and how, because I think yeah. this is you know, and, and in that that sort of sense, because I think the, the the goal needs to be for everybody's sake. Like we're talking, we you know this all started with Shirley, and when the Shirley's anxious about the uncertainty, and whether you're anxious about the uncertainty, and all of those sort of things. So it's actually better for everybody. That we try and find some sort of um, some kind of some certainty that we try and weave some certainty, at least some or, or managed risk into into the into the engagement. And so, taking your example there of developing a completely bespoke new thing, again, so if the process is broken down a little bit, so you might be saying to a client, "Look, we have no idea. I mean, you know, within reason." you know what's going to come up how it's going to, how we will sort of do about this we have some idea based on other things which might be sort of similar but you know it can be a bit open-ended because you know unknown things can happen during the process and those unknown things might require additional work etc so in a way you know this also then starts to link a little bit to options that we've also speak about in the world so then a choice for a client because again giving them choices might be helpful there are different ways of playing the game right you know, Mr. and Mrs. Client, we could head down this way, which is completely open-ended. You're going to pay for the time. I don't know what it's going to take. You know, my best endeavours is it'll be less than that, but it could be more. I don't know. We'll see. So we go into a completely open-ended thing. Or I guess also from your point of view, uh, from the, the creator, the developer's point of view, you might say as an alternative, or look, we agree to a smaller initial investment and that's going to be fixed so that we're all kind of clear. And in that Initial investment, you know, we might call that a scoping thing. This then links to kind of what you're selling, essentially. So a process that you might sell. We say, look, you, you know, you make an initial initial investment, it will be fixed. In that, we will do the exploratory work that's necessary to be sure about what follows there afterwards. So you make an initial investment, which is going to be fixed. Out of that, we can have clarity or much more clarity around what's going to be required and how we would progress. And there will be then a cost for doing that work thereafter. So you're kind of finding ways of bringing a bit more clarity, a bit more certainty into the process, maybe at the same time and giving them different options and different ways that they can engage. But I think the goal, the owner should be on us, the provider, the seller of the service, to make these things as as clear and as sort of safe 
as possible because this is what it links to is whether in the mind, the heart mind of the person who's buying it, does it feel safe to buy this thing? And uncertainty doesn't feel safe. So the onus is on us to try and find ways of sort of lending the, lending the transaction, lending the sale a bit more, a bit more safety. And so what, what springs to mind in terms of like this situation? You know, the way I'm going to break it down the situation, particularly in the agency days when I was doing a lot of the developing, is what the client wants and there's what I want to do. I loved tackling knotty technical problems and finding the most elegant solution. And it was something as a joy of just like doing that. The client just wanted to make sure that the button worked. Mm. And so the thing that I've learned is actually either need to let go of doing the most elegant thing and just make it work or... I find clients who value the most elegant solution yeah. because that will me give me freedom to really dive deep and spend a day doing just this one thing because there's a perceived value in that from the client. Yeah. And and I could talk to the cows come home about it being responsive and working on a different on different devices and being you know all of these things that maybe the client even hasn't got any customers yet. They just mm. want to make sure that this business actually has any legs so whether the button works on a mobile phone a tablet and a pc at, in the same way they don't really care yeah and that the thing that comes up for me there is is understanding what the client is actually buying which is another thing obviously we sort of talk about a lot on the course and through all of these sort of things. what is it the client is actually buying and so i think about this in you know one of my last businesses free state where we were essentially selling design services too but what the client was buying because our client you know we were a relatively small sort of entrepreneurial design creative agency our clients were senior people in large organizations and so actually part of what they were buying when they were buying Free State, was they were satisfying their own creative entrepreneurial itch. And yes, there's there's some element of the the what of what they're buying, but actually there's all of those emotive aspects too. And that and so I, I share that because it's a similar kind of thing to what you're talking about there. What is the client actually buying? In some instances, it will be important to the client, to a client, that they, because of how they feel about themselves and the story that they tell themselves, to always be investing in that you know, the, the kind of the, the well thought through crafted solution. That's important to them. There will be other clients, which is, you know, about a, you know, for want of a better phrase, a kind of quicker and dirtier thing, but that's what's important to them because that's the story that they tell themselves. And so, like you say, actually the, the outcome, the end point might be the same. It's a button on a screen or whatever it might be, but actually the thing that they're buying, the story that they're telling is the important thing. And we do really need to understand what that is because that points to the value that points to how much somebody is willing to invest it points it it provides your signals to price and i like the way you brought in the word story again within this you know there's the stories we tell ourselves and the stories our clients tell themselves and the story about the value so bringing it back to shirley <laughs> lovely shirley <laughs> i as well as buying nice ironed clothes that feel nice when i put them on i'm buying time and in a sense I could say, as long as it doesn't cost more than 50 quid an hour, I'm okay. Because in my head, that is less than the value of my time per hour. And so she could like, if she knew that, then anytime she sent me a bill that was less than 50 quid an hour, she wouldn't have to say, I hope that's okay. Because she knew exactly that's okay. Because mm -hmm. she knew that that's how much I'm, that's the number in my head that is a kind of like acceptable or of, of value. And so... 
yeah, I'm, I'm just offering that as a way, like when we are working with the clients, is that if we're able to start understanding what those numbers are, then we don't have to be so apologetic because it's it's they're comfortable with those numbers. Mm. And the other thing, like um, for Shirley, I think going links back to the clarity, the uncertainty thing. You know, if Shirley were to say to you that actually the maximum this would ever be is fifty pounds or whatever the number is. Um, and so it will always be unless, you know, it will essentially, it will always be less than that unless something exceptional happens. And so there, it's all, you know, it's always within expectation. It's always within expectation until the time when Shirley arrives. And there's not only all of your shirts, but you've gathered all of the shirts of the entire street. And Shirley's faced with this part and she thinks there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to get this done for less than 50. But then she can bring that up at the beginning before you get into it to say, actually, the circumstances have changed. This situation is different to all the situations that preceded it. Therefore, we should have a conversation about this before yeah. I begin. Yeah. And no, it's great to me. There's that fear of like, well, so on one hand, with that, for instance, it's always 50, qu 50 quid every fortnight. I'm buying certainty as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm buying the ability to just budget and say, all right, forget that. 50 quid a month. Just take it out. Direct debit. I don't even have to think about it. And I'll just always know I'll have well-ironed clothes. And then there's this, uh, from a supplier's point of view, it's like, oh, my God, they might take advantage of me. And yeah. Well, then that's where you need to be able to set parameters or discuss the parameters. Mm -hmm. Be very clear about, all right. This is what you do, and it's really interesting to discuss what it means to be within reason and how that's a whole different discussion there really about how to go down to nitty-gritty because you start doing itemized pricing, whatever you want to do. But anyway, there is – well, the thing is there's a trust that neither party is going to take the piss, mm -hmm. but also uh, I what are they buying? Are they buying – in my case, I'm buying time and certainty. Not only certainty in how much I'm going to pay, but certainty in terms of like it'll get done and I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about it. You also have some stress removed because I think there's a thing like in your mind, somewhere in your mind, you know, there's an idea that the ironing is a thing to be done. Yeah. And so, yes, there's a thing I get iron clothes, but actually yeah. it, there's a story somewhere. Ironing is a thing over there, which is to be done. And Shirley is taking that to be done thing away. So yeah. actually that is, you know, there, there is huge value in that. There is huge yeah. kind of gain in that. And then there's a story like my mum telling me your clothes should be ironed. Why aren't yeah. they ironed? It's like, oh, no, so I need to make sure my clothes are ironed. But, you know, that's an illustration of this something that isn't even to do with the ironing. It isn't to do with how much work's done. It's about the story I'm telling myself about buying this service. Or else, if I don't buy this service, or I don't have that outcome, then it says something, oh, I feel there's a cost of me not buying it, mm. if that makes sense. And it's an emotional cost, not just a tangible, physical, service-based cost. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, hopefully... Um, Shirley's got more customers. Power to Shirley. <laughs> Power to Shirley. Hopefully, uh, those of you who are listening still still <laughs> have got some food for thought about how to minimize any kind of uncertainty or apology when you're asking for money or sharing a price. And also an awareness, an increased awareness, or maybe in a, a further investigation into the stories that you're telling yourself when you are feeling a bit anxious or uncertain when you're talking about money and pricing. Until next time, uh, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Thank you very much for your time and attention. And uh, yeah, keep on pricing happy. I'm going to find a better slogan. <laughs>
we got to we got to have an end one and a beginning one. Oh yeah, answers on a postcard, please. Please send how to begin, how to end. Tweet me.